Welcome to the fire, everyone. Uh, we have a great guest with us today. Obviously, of course, as always, your host, Ethan Grayman Steich, with my <laughs> co host here, Mike. I have no special middle name held. You, we'll get there. We'll get there. My mom used to always call me Michael Michael Motorcycle when I was younger. So maybe we can use that somewhere. Maybe we'll we'll figure it out. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll work <laughs> on it. We'll, we'll, we'll what's that? What's they call it? Uh, workshop. Workshop. Yes. We'll workshop, workshop it. it. Anyone in the Discord, if you have an idea for a good nickname, hit it up. Hit it. Hit it on up. Uh, Michael Michael Motorcycle is top top of the line right now. Anybody got something better? <laughs> Number let us one. Know. Uh, but we have a great guest today, uh, a good friend of mine and one of my D and D players currently, uh, Mr. Antonio. Antonio, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing good. Doing doing really well. Thanks for joining us by the fire and talking a little bit about your knowledge of magic the gathering yes you're welcome thanks for having me but yeah we'll definitely as mike just said we'll be going over some magic the gathering today some of the the colors the old school new school and some combinations as well as a new segment of favorite snack pairings with each color but that'll be the second half of what's going on uh why don't we start out with uh, a little bit of backstory antonio why don't you tell us how you got into magic in general uh, well, when I was in high school in the 90s, what really got me into magic was my senior year, uh, my friends and I had way too many study halls. <laughs> a buddy of mine, Matt, had, was into magic. He was the only person I knew that liked magic. And he just pretty much desperately wanted other people to play it. And he would build decks and sell them for like eight bucks or something. Mm-hmm. So I bought a white deck with some Sarah. I, I know it at least had a Sarah Angel and Armageddon in it. I remember that. Okay. And that's how I got into it. And it was a really good time to be into magic, really, because it was like 98, 99. And um, the Urzra's block was out, which yeah. is some of the most overpowered cards they've ever printed. And yeah, um, that, that was only magic started in 93, I think was the yeah. official the official publishing of it. So that was that was pretty soon after it came out. So um, it, it was definitely starting to get some legs underneath it, which is also crazy because you just said he was selling decks for like eight bucks. I think now if you get a deck off of somebody online, I think the lowest you're going to go is maybe 25, 30. So it's kind of crazy how far it's come in the past, you know, what, almost three decades? Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable on a lot of fronts, really. Mm-hmm. But you got this uh, white deck, and I, I assume you just went back and forth on all these extra study halls. Yeah, we just we played it all the time, and um, I hung onto my one box of cards. And you know, I uh, in college I busted them out, taught my roommate, and then a couple years after that, I really got the bug collecting <laughs> while playing again. And uh, then I started collecting all that old vintage stuff. And yeah, I, I have a long. I could talk your ear off about <laughs> about all that. <laughs> Yeah, that's like the uh, kind of the exact opposite of what I used study hall for whenever I was in high school. I basically just got the morning one so I could just like sleep for an extra 45 minutes like (laughs) as soon as I got back to school. Right. That's what we were doing until, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. And then someone came and ruined it with magic. <laughs> Make me play a silly card game that I fell in love with, and now I have friends. Gosh, what a horrible person! Yeah, sounds like a horrible guy. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's it's kind of cool that you went from playing it to uh, collecting and selling them as well. Because you you almost need to have more knowledge when it comes to the cards because you also need to know how profitable those cards can make you well you know some hobbies you really can't participate in unless you do somehow monetize it really um that's true unless you are wealthy so this is one of those hobbies that supports that behavior really if not one of the first and best (laughs) yeah i i feel like it's was this probably was one of the first like games that you could easily like either trade or buy or sell certain cards, especially when the the deck started getting more complicated. Well, if you get in these kinds of conversations with other old timers older than me, you know, old timers in this game is what I mean, but um, (laughs) they'll be like, Oh, if only I could turn back time. I remember seeing a mox behind the counter for a hundred dollars. Well, they're still talking about um, 1996. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're a teen looking at a piece of cardboard behind a glass case in 1996 and it's $196. Yeah. Which, I don't know, what is that, Three twenty-five. I really don't know. but I was about to say, yeah, around $300 nowadays. Yeah, so they were always expensive. And honestly, Richard Garfield, who made the game, really didn't intend that. Um, but it just that's, that's what happens. Thing. It, it, it's morphs into that, and I think that's one of the reasons why it is so lasting of a game, you know, because it, it kind of morphed into this while there's still a community that plays it all the time because it's a very strategic game that you can always improve on. It, it's almost like what baseball cards used to be. And to to an extent, they still are because you still have those baseball cards that are worth loads and loads of money. But it's, it's kind of like Magic adopted that um, mindset of you need this card. Yeah. Because you need this card, it's a hundred (laughs) dollars. Right. Like a first edition of, you know, whatever new set comes out is always going to be more, uh, you know, more profitable than say like, Oh, this is the fourth printing or fifth printing Mm -hmm. or, you know, like those it's, it's kind of funny, like looking at, at kind of like money too, if you're looking at making a profit off of turning in bills and things like that, you're looking for things that are like typos or Mm -hmm. these other weird things. So, you know, seeing those in the cards, I'm sure probably adds value. Uh, Is that kind of true? I'm, uh, I am like magic, the gathering literally have dipped in my, my big toe into the pool of magic, the gathering. So I know nothing is, is that kind of what it's like though, Antonio, you're looking for these, really unique ones and sometimes even ones that are are misprints and things like that the misprint thing is like sort of its own community and um i don't really know anybody in that community but they they're into it um that stuff is pretty rare and you can find buyers for that i really don't know much about it um i have had some stuff that would fall really rare in that category and and the thing about a game like this is um (laughs) you know the level of collectability is so intense that every point there is a different um shark in the food chain Uh, it's Mm. kind of weird to describe it like that because like i know it's a friendly game but like no matter how (laughs) 
the, everybody's looking for a deal on these cards, you know, and, and they are right. so, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, one of them sold for like a half a million dollars. I mean, it, it was yeah. rare and graded and all Oof. that. But the point is, everybody wants to get what they feel is a good price on every purchase they ever make. Mm. So there's always somebody looking for that stuff. And the only reason I sort of went on this tangent is um, one of the funny things that happens to cards that collect that collectors of oddities like is if you've ever opened a booster pack of anything you know how there's those little crimps on the end yeah it almost looks like um crimped hair from the 80s yeah well sometimes that hits a card and it crimps the card and it's a very unique error that um you could never replicate on your own and um i actually had a beta rare that that happened to and uh, it was brand new other than that and you know when i let it go um Nobody cared about that card, but, um, you know, it's, it's quite rare. It, I have no idea what that thing would be worth at this moment in time. Um, because well, this thing has changed, you know, appreciation. Right. Well, that's time. a, that's the other problem is you, you have this almost, uh, art or fashion like community where it's, you don't know when something's going to be valuable again. Right. And it's kind of crazy to have that type of, um, you know, background. Cause it's, it's like we've, we've talked about before is <clears throat> five years ago, you could sell a card for $50 when you got it for one. But if you didn't sell it five years after that, it's only worth 50 cents. But then five years after that, it's worth 150. So it's it's kind of crazy how the the market kind of ebbs and flows like that, especially when it comes to rare games or, or rare cards, I should say. Yeah, and just like everything else in life, I mean, it takes forever to really learn this, but really, it, it it's like all about kind of behaving more like a whale, like um, <laughs> you know. A really wealthy person has all kinds of stupid assets and they just kind of sit on them while they go play with their more interesting things. And it works with these cards too. You know, when you have some cards, you're like, oh, I think it's kind of cool, but everybody says it's only worth 10 cents. If you do have the room and the patience to, you know, set it in a corner, it might see its day. Mm-hmm. Although you got to be careful. Again, that could lead into hoarding, which isn't any fun. Right. <laughs> A, uh, a thing where you can create your deck and put like a fancy backing on your cards is because in real life they actually have card covers that almost everybody if you're playing a deck is using a card cover unless it's like you really don't give a give a crap but they make all types of designs and stuff and so is there any other um instances in the uh your your past or present that you've gotten a fantastic deal, Antonio? On, All right. on... I have one that's really good. And uh, it's, I guess it's worth noting. So I used to be very active on a uh, video game community. Um, wow. I guess it's, it's quite a while ago. Um, <laughs> over 15 years ago. That's crazy to think. A little bit today. of time. Um, and I traded a bunch of Sega Saturn and um, oh my God random crap to a guy in like norway or sweden or something Mm -hmm. and i got some international collector's edition cards that um you know at the time i mean to anybody who would have read the trade i certainly was the loser in all of that but um i mean it's it's been a significant switch in value you know oh so at the time it seemed like a poor deal but now you're on the better end of the deal because of the influx. I mean, yeah, it was like a half inch of cardboard for like, a, you know, picture a suitcase full of video game systems and consoles sent to like, you know, mm-hmm. Norway or something. 
but you know, if I don't know how much you guys know about the old cards, but like a lot of what I got were uh, power nine cards, like the okay. Black Lotus and other, you know, the cards that even people who don't know of the game have heard about, but they were collector collector's edition cards, which people mm-hmm. always looked at as garbage. Um, they, they finally are seeing their day and they're quite rare. Um, the international collector's edition cards on paper, they say there were 5,000 made, but a lot of people believe there actually were only 3,500 made, which oh, is wow. a very low amount of anything. And um, everybody Especially for cards. Absolutely. Because what people used to do was clip the corners and sometimes they'd even split the cards down the middle and try to put a real beta back on the back of it. Oh, shit. I've seen those. Um, but that being said, I, I got a few of those in the trade. And, you know, like, yeah, that that it, it, at this point in time, it sounds like a heinous trade. I mean, it just <laughs> but it wasn't at the time. It was fair. It was definitely fair at the time. I got you. So you, poor you, you poor old Sega end. Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> well to be honest sega saturn games are worth an arm and a leg now but um yeah how crazy is that it's like that one of the worst consoles everybody thought well i should say everybody thought one of the worst consoles at the time i was now gonna say i was gonna say it. hey don't you besmirch the name of sega saturn <laughs> sir <laughs> because listen what? you got, you got shemu you got uh, you're on that's dreamcast bud yeah okay never mind i'm wrong so why don't you just sit back down on your soapbox those were both good consoles (laughs) i was i was thinking of i was thinking of the dreamcast you're right that not going on a slight tangent you guys ever play uh snap the seven up cap from sega no it's literally do you do you remember the Michael Jackson game for Sega? Wait, not Spot? Spot? Spot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played it on NES, not on Genesis though. Oh man, I played it like the original. I that thing was so fun. It was like one of the hardest games though. That was probably better. The one on NES was like more like a board game come to life or something. Oh yeah, yeah. That any um the one I was playing was way better if it if you're describing it like that. But yeah, you were just like this little this little spot that just was shooting out little seven up magic and killing stuff and <laughs> it was great. That sound like Moonwalker. That's I literally think they took Moonwalker and made this out of it. Like just like different enemies and stuff. Probably just just the skins covered with something different. Yeah, like literally <laughs> the same graphics of everything except for like Instead of Michael Jackson in a white suit, it was a little red dot with sunglasses. Hey, Super Mario Brothers 2 is just Doki Doki Panic. Anything can happen. That's true. Uh, but yeah, um, so now we have a good grasp of the uh, back alley deals that Antonio used to do <laughs> <laughs> across borders. The, uh, the Magic the Gathering Mafia yes. is, is on the lookout for him. Now, <laughs> yeah, the it's like, don't talk to that antonio guy but uh so we definitely want to have a couple more episodes maybe even if you were interested in coming back a couple times antonio on uh to get more in depth because i'm sure you're aware that it's it's very hard to have a short episode or even a not long episode when getting into detail about the different uh mana decks and stuff yeah i i could i could see that so right now we're just we're gonna dip our toes in a little bit. We're just gonna give some general information about the decks, some pros and cons. Um, but of course, and since you it was one of your first decks, we're gonna start with white. And now white is pretty. Uh, I, I want to say it's lawful good. 
from D&D for, for a white deck. You know, the, you, you talk about peace, law, structure, selflessness, and equality. Like that, that's what all the backstory and I want to say like lore that comes with a white deck, like a pure white deck. Um, yeah. And life gain. Right, life gain. But that's kind of what the selflessness, selflessness comes from. Um, but uh, I personally like white decks to a certain degree. I like them comboed with a lot of the decks uh, for that reason, because it's a lot of, uh, you know, one of the big thing is soldiers in a white deck. Soldiers, knights, that kind of thing. Um, but what what do you think about a white deck, Antonio? What, what are your pros and cons for a white deck? Um. They, they can be powerful and they can also be kind of bland. Um, I guess they're known for that sometimes too. Um, I guess so, since I really like the old cards, I really like the what were known as white weenie decks where you get a lot of little stuff out there, like Savannah <laughs> Lions and other small white creatures. And you throw out a crusade, they'd all get plus one, plus one. Mm-hmm. And then you get a Sarah Angel out there. She doesn't tap to attack. The other people never have flying. Right. But um, overall, white often gets left in the dust in some of their expansions over the years. And they have trouble keeping white feeling powerful for people is what I've noticed. I could definitely see that. I think a lot of it leans toward angels now, though. Mm-hmm. Angels in it, it used to be, you know, blue is more of a protection type stuff. But a, a lot of the angels in the white deck seem to be about protection as well. Protection from a certain color, um, protection from demons and stuff, because obviously the, the, the opposite of the white is the black deck. And that has a lot of demons and death and stuff. So um, that's where a lot of its, uh, you know, boosts come from. But I could definitely see where you're saying like, a pure white deck is pretty hard to run rim shot on people with like unless you pull right and unless you have the right number or a good life link i could definitely see that being the case of not feeling like a very strong with a white deck yeah when i was uh kind of starting out with mtg arena a few months back because you got me into it ethan yep (laughs) um the white deck was yeah it, it it seems like it's a sort of an easier deck to understand um but yeah if you pull right some of those you know synergies of different cards are are really great i just know that i had a couple matches you know here and there that i just felt super crazy strong because it would be i can't remember but it was like uh it was like a monk and then every Mm. time the monk you know every time you put a card down you would heal and then there was another monk or a soldier or something that every time you healed, he would also get like plus one. So, you know, you had, I just would like drop all these monks cause I kept drawing them and it eventually got to the point where it was like, I would put one person down and I get healed like five times and everybody on the board gets like plus five, plus five. So then it's like this just steamroll once I had that kind of like machine going, but it's, it's one of those things where I had to, I got lucky when that happened every once in a while. It wasn't like the deck was geared towards that or I built the deck to do that. But, uh, you know, building into some really big, heavy hitters. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be much in that white deck that I could see um, from early on. No, that's definitely the case. And I, I know what, uh, th- it's definitely two monks that you're talking about. Uh I can't remember the names off the top of my head, but yeah, one is whenever you lay a creature, you gain a health. Mm-hmm. And then one is whenever you gain health, you get plus one, plus one. 
So yeah, that it, I think that's the basis though for a white deck is you have to build it. Like mm-hmm. the, there isn't like one or two cars that you can just kind of like steamroll people with. You it's almost like a fleet of soldiers. Like you, you have to have all that out sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say the pro is if you draw really well, you know, you can get a get your engine going and have a lot of strong monsters that were weak, so easy to pull out, but then you know, you build their strength as rounds keep ticking up. So as long as you can stay ahead and protect yourself, you're good. Uh mm-hmm. the con is that you have to get that engine going. Like if you if you like you said, if you don't pull the right amount and you don't protect yourself quick enough like a fast deck would demolish the deck that you have yeah and that's my luck i wouldn't very rarely draw the right cards it would be like one out of like every 10 games is is mediocre to good all the rest were just like well i get like seven lands and then Mm -hmm. (laughs) nothing after that or i have like all of these creatures but then i never draw a single land so it's like you know i'm just sitting there with all this stuff that could be awesome but just ends up failing and that's the luck of the draw Mm -hmm. yeah that's magic's inherent uh misery (laughs) (laughs) that's what i told ethan that's the reason why i get so like frustrated frustrated with with any card game because it's like for me, it's just always like hit or miss. It's either the worst draws that I've ever had in my entire life for like four or five games in a row, or it's like these crazy strong, you know, moments where I just like steamroll everything that comes in front of me. Mm. And then I have like perfect answers to everything that, that the opponent is trying to put against me, you know, just in my hand. But uh, like, there's no in between where I'm kind of like fighting for round after round until someone eventually wins. You get there. You get there. One day. One day. Uh, but obviously, the mirror image of white is black. So a lot of the black deck is going to be about, you know, power, death, sacrifice, um, self interest when it comes to the lore and stuff like that. Uh, so. I I like a combination of white and black, but we we'll, we can get into that a little bit later. But I also like a straight black deck, but I like a straight black deck that uh, plays almost like a white black deck because there's a few monsters in that where not only do they take away health, you gain health when you take away someone else's health. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, more of that now. Yeah, so that that's real big now. Whereas before it was more, what would you say it was before? More like curse and poison type stuff? Yeah, I'm actually, you know, as you bring up the different colors, I'm actually flipping to the pages here and scanning them over. And, you know, early black, um, I mean, I'll just read off some of these names and it sums it up like Mm -hmm. demonic attorney, demonic tutor, Mm -hmm. drain life was an alpha card, which actually does do what you're saying. It it took life and, and gave you life points. Mm-hmm. So they had that in Alpha, um, which is pretty impressive. Um, Pestilence is an actual card. These are the kinds of cards where some people's moms saw them and were like, "What the? F- what is this? You know, we're throwing this away." Same problem down <laughs> to the dragon hat, you know. Right, right, of course. Um, here's this card, Sacrifice. It, <laughs> I mean, it shows somebody about to be stabbed in the chest. Um, pretty wild. Um, Lord of the Pit, Lich. Mm-hmm. it's all the nasty stuff um yeah. unholy strength has a pentagram behind the guy that's on fire that was the big one you know that got 
teach everybody going away magic decks and stuff. Um, Don't you bring your black magic in here? Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um, black was my favorite, even though you know I had that white deck to start. But when me and my friends first got into this, you know, we had no budget, mm-hmm. so we were like, okay, we're each just gonna play one color at first. That way, you know, we can open a pack and like trade. And I went with black. I liked all this nasty death stuff. <laughs> Well, I can I'm a necromancer in your game now. Right, I was about to say you're you're literally a necromancer in our current campaign, so it kind of all comes full circle. Full circle. But uh, should definitely to backtrack a little bit. So white was the mana is the color white, and the mana represented in a white deck is planes. That's why it's a white deck. So black again, sticking with this, you know, almost dark dinginess the black mana is swamps so all the mana colors also kind of correspond mm-hmm. with what they're doing because it's like it's like you said like pestilence and all that stuff you could see that coming from a swamp mm-hmm. like so it, it i think it's great especially even back when it first started how all of these things kind of blended together really well but that that was definitely the the a pro to the black deck was it was just straight up i'm gonna mess you up yeah at any cost at your own life points right i, I could sacrifice because i literally think there's uh one of the cards that I played was a, I think it's called Tavern Gambler. It's literally you flip a coin, you know, you, you give away three life points, you flip a coin. If it's heads, you get six life points. If it's tails, you just lost three life points. It's like a 50-50 shot of healing yourself. So it's, it's exactly what it is. Like, I want to destroy every ounce of everything you have, even if it means that I might die in the process. And that, that's definitely a black deck mantra. Everything is double or nothing. Yeah. And especially, I, again, I'm, I'm really sort of relatively new, kind of digging into it more. Um, you know, they a lot of those cards in the black deck have death touch now where, oh yeah, you know, it's like you drop this like a rat or you drop like this just like a skeleton or something like that and and they have death touch or you have cards that add dead death touch where you know if you block that kills whatever other creature no matter how powerful they are so mm-hmm. you may have a lot of these really tiny creatures or really you know non-powerful creatures but they create this almost extra wall um, you know, knowing that you can sacrifice them at any moment to take out a seven, seven or like a six, six, or, you know, something else, you know, it, it's kind of interesting to think about it that way too. the sort of necrotic energy and, you know, death energy that they have, uh, to just kind of wipe the board clean. If you really wanted to just sacrifice every single one of them. Well, that's where that sacrifice came in, comes into play though. Like, even if I die, you're going to die with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that I, that's the overwhelmingness of the, the power of the black deck is that like, I don't care what happens to me, you're going to die. And, you know, it's like you said, it's that extra wall, almost like an intimidation. Mm-hmm. But uh, then we have the red deck, which is, you know, volcanoes, fire, of course, red. And uh, r- the red deck is uh, is almost an offshoot of the black deck to a certain degree, just because it's destructive you know mm-hmm. yeah like, i was gonna bring something up and it's a good time i guess i don't know if you guys have a magic card in front of you but if you look at the back and you see the five colors the colors that are next to each other are friendly colors and the ones that right. aren't are enemy and black and red are side by side right because that's the uh that's the the color wheel mm-hmm. 
for Magic the Gathering, which I guess we could touch base on that. I, I want to say, what is it? White, green, and blue are friendly? Uh, almost. It, white, green, red. Green and red are friendly. Okay, okay. And then, and then the, black, blue, and white. Black, blue, and white, right. So it's it's kind of interesting to how that color wheel is set up. Um, and then like, like I was saying before, how black is the, uh, the polar opposite of white. That's kind of what the lore dictates as well. That's why a lot of the stuff for white is kind of geared towards black because it's like protection against demons because there's a lot of angels in the white deck and vice versa. Um, but yeah, the, the red deck is very, very friendly with black. I've seen a lot of highly destructive black and red decks, Mm -hmm. but like straight, straight red, you know, impulse destructive a lot of freedom and very very quick you know get something out there almost all the monsters that are worth their salt have haste so as soon as you place them they 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 don't take an extra round to get into the combat so you can just you can fight right away so it's a very very fast-paced deck for sure i'm also just thinking of all the um uh what is it it's like artillery strike or something like that where oh, you raid raid bombardment that's it raid bombardment you mm-hmm. you put down the you know that enchant enchantment and you know anytime anything attacks you're now dealing one damage well it's not uh, anything it's anything with a power two or less oh right sorry but that's the thing is 90 <laughs> percent of a lot of the red deck is like goblins and like right. little dinosaurs and stuff and the, it has maybe a one or two power so you no, get no a one bunch cares of goblins. about goblins you just throw a thousand goblins at them mm-hmm. they're like kobolds nobody really cares <laughs> you just you just like oh yeah sure goblin goblin throw another goblin let's let's attack with 17 goblins go 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 well, that 17 goblins gets you 17 compartments. Boom. But yeah, that's definitely... I I favored that, especially when I got back into it, because I, I love the goblins. I, I'm a, I'm one of those guys that likes the, the wall of monsters defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having goblins where I can throw out three or four at a time, depending on the card, and then put two raid bombardments down and hit for like 15 points automatic damage, it it always felt pretty good, but that that's what you're dealing with. I mean, the red deck has minotaurs and giants are real big in the red deck. Um, mm-hmm. Has a couple dragons here and there too. Yeah. Dragons are big. Fire. I like, I can't remember the dragon's name, but the, I mean, even the dragon, it literally it, every time you play a card after that card has been played it, you can do that much damage to a monster of what the attack power is. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. Like- and there's like the ones to the dragons where you drop them and they do three or four damage just to everything on the enemy side. Uh, right. Yeah. You if know, so if it's not a wall or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, that's like the just destructive power of a red deck is I'm going to do damage to you one way or another and i think that's pretty cool and i also like the fast paced of it as well yeah i think go ahead antonio uh, i was gonna say one of its things that comes along with all that is you you could run out of steam you know you might hit turn right and you don't have any more cards yeah that that is definitely the con to a red deck is it plays fast so that means you don't necessarily have a lot to work with if uh, the battle goes too long yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Is that it's it's almost like uh, it's it's almost like black in the way that you were saying, where it's sort of sacrificial with some of the uh, creatures that you have. 
um, and you're more just trying to build up, you know, monsters as quick as you can or creatures as quick as you can. And then, but yeah, you, you sort of, it's kind of fitting. And as we're talking about it, you know, kind of the symbolism about the colors and everything is, is interesting too. You know, red is more symbolic of the fire and really what you're doing is you're burning through your deck as quick as you can mm -hmm. to try to just like burn the other person to the ground, you know? So it's like, it's a lit fuse. Yeah. It's like you, the minute you light it, you want to try to just hit them as quick as you can with everything you got and if they live past it you're kind of like oh oh well i good good match thanks <laughs> i'll just put all my goblins back in and i'll go play somebody else yeah all your goblin tokens but so next we have on our list is blue blue being islands for the mana because of the sea nice blue sea uh water and islands uh blue is actually my least favorite deck oh yeah to, to play and play against <laughs> just just because i like i said i'm more of a get a lot of monsters out there and attack blue is it's almost no monsters in my opinion like because it's more about deliberate perfecting of knowledge and deceit and being cautious and kind of like almost always countering what the other person does, mm -hmm. which I can understand and respect, but I'm more just like that, that raw strength. Sometimes I'm, I'm very yeah. straight, straightforward and blue is definitely not a straightforward deck. It's not, it's all about trickery and um, it's often the OP color. Um, you yeah. know, one of the interesting cycles of magic in the first set was in every color, they had a card where you spent one mana and you got three things for the mana. And I'll tell you them all, and you'll see how freaking lopsided they were. <laughs> White gave you three health for three mana. You could just heal a creature or yourself for three. Um, green gave you three to a creature, like give it plus three plus three until end of turn. Um, red gave you lightning bolt, which is a very good card that they still mm. print. Um, I think they have black. a weaker shock one now. Yeah. Yes, because lightning bolt was OP. Well, that, that's a we could talk for five minutes about lightning bolt, but lightning bolt was that <laughs> baby. They brought it back a few years ago. Um, but you're right, shock was all that was around for a long time. And um, black gave you three black mana with dark ritual for one, mm, yeah. which was a crazy speed boost. Um, they had to take that away for a long time too because of the stuff you could do with it. It's like a mini black lotus in black. Um, anyway, but but blue was the OP one. Um, a power nine card three cards for one blue mana they screwed that up mm -hmm. i mean you know even a new player can understand that's insane right mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah like if if all i have to do is you know now i have four <laughs> mana saved up and i can just you know boom drop one and get three extra cards you know mm -hmm. you're able to just kind of crush through and find the exact card you're waiting for or that you need uh, when whenever you're trying to you know build into the to the blue um, kind of going back to what Ethan was saying you know me seeing the blue deck and me playing on the blue deck when I was going through MTG uh, you know earlier this year and and you know up till now um, is blue is very true it's that like very calculating and you really have to uh, almost look at it even more in like a chess perspective where it's like I need this card so that if, you know, the, if my enemy throws a shock, now I can throw like a plus two, plus two to block the shock. And then, you know, because I did two spells, now this creature is going to have plus 
two plus two. So they're also flying. And, you know, it's like this really like crazy building up of these chains of events that you kind of plan for, and then you let them play out um, as compared to just kind of throwing everything on the board and, and kind of just like, Oh, well, what are you going to do? Fight everything I have. You have these like two or three creatures that you're really just trying to tweak with spells or, 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 you know, give them extra advantages, you know, like flying or whatever to, to attack the person a little bit more effectively. So it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more, calculated in that manner but also for me a lot more annoying because you have to draw pretty well in order to do to do anything you know (laughs) and uh so it was uh i'm kind of the same boat where it's like it it seems powerful but i can never get anything powerful out of it because i never draw the right stuff or i don't use it the right way i guess yeah i can definitely understand that because you definitely definitely have to build it like every card in a blue deck has to play off another card or else you're not getting the full weight of a blue deck. Yeah. And, and that's, it's a, it's also a big milling deck, mm-hmm. which I hate milling decks. I should say, I hate playing against milling decks. Cause it's like, you're not even fighting me. You're just making me throw my cards away until I can't play anymore. And that's what I think is frustrating about blue decks in my opinion. Oh but, God. Did I, did I tell you about one match that I had? I, I got so frustrated. It was, it was all about the milling deck, just like you're talking about mm-hmm. the guy. I don't know what he did, but he spent, it was like 10 minutes for one round because he was like, uh, he yeah. would play a card. And then when he played the card, it would cause me to mill like two cards. And then because I milled two cards, he was able to draw a card and he would then play another card, which would like send, the initial card to the graveyard but then he had another card that would bring that card back from the graveyard which would cause me to mill again which would allow him to draw again and it was like just 10 minutes of him like doing that three or four times where he would like force me to mill send his thing to the graveyard pull his thing back from the graveyard force me to mill just like and i just like i got frustrated sitting there waiting for him to do everything Mm. and then i was i just like i didn't know what to do because i was so confused about what he was like trying to accomplish what he was actually doing (laughs) it was like in the long run it was like I got all my cards back except one and he drew an extra like one card. So it was this like huge, big, like cycle of events that had no real net benefit that I could see. Well, this is on arena, right? Yeah. So you probably have to click and and agree to let him do each thing. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm new to arena, even though I'm not new to this game. Um, And it's just different than real life. Uh, yeah, arena definitely flows a lot different than an actual card game for for multiple reasons. But uh, yeah, it's that's just one of the things. Like the good thing about a blue deck, pro about a blue deck is if you build it correctly, you can almost not even have to worry about killing anything or healing or <laughs> anything like that because you're either getting rid of their cards or you're getting rid of their cards one way or another. Either you're making them mill them or you're counteracting all their spells and all their cards, they can't get their engine started. So they're basically just throwing away cards anyway, because they can't use them. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, <clears throat> the, the point of a blue deck is to get rid of all the cards so that nobody can play anything. And you're the only one that either is doing damage or playing cards that are actually useful. You guys want to hear about a fun vintage deck that um, Mike's, 
description kind of reminded me of that I used to play. Go ahead. Um, I, I'd play this with a whole room full of people. We'd actually play in my friend's outdoor um, picnic table that was like in a shelter. So anyway, this deck could kill everybody in the room all at once. <laughs> so you get Underworld Dreams out. Anytime an opponent draws a card, they take a point of damage. Mm-hmm. And I would get Megram out. Um, now I'm, I'm bringing this up, but you know, there were bl- plenty of blue, but everything I'm describing right now is not blue. So these are black cards. Megram, anytime somebody discards a card, um, an opponent, they lose two life. And, um, as early as possible, I would get those out and then cast a wheel of fortune. Everybody discards their entire hand and draws a new hand of seven cards. Yeah. <laughs> so if I could catch you with seven, you were taking 21. You're automatically pretty dead. much automatically yeah. dead. Wow. Yeah. That was a good time. Uh, there's actually the, the, the next mana color we're talking about is a, is a green, uh, green deck, which is of course, forests, yeah. uh, nature, wildlife, spiritual, you know, pretty traditional stuff. Big, creature. um, big creatures though. There is one small creature that I detest and I will literally on Match of the Gathering Arena, when I see it come out, unless I can kill it right away, I will leave that game. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Just leave the game. I, you I rage quit so hard. I, I have, yes, I have blocked the name of the card from my memory because I hate it so much. Wow. The only thing I know of it is what it looks like. And it looks like a little little grasshopper type thing. It's a bug. It's a 1-1 bug. But this 1-1 bug, every time you lay a land, has landfall. So when it has landfall, it makes a copy of itself. Mm. And then when you lay another land, both of them make copies of themselves. Oh my goodness. I literally got to a point where what finally put me over the edge and never wanted to make me play this card ever again was this guy, he built a deck around it. So he knew what he was doing. But Antonio, as you're aware, there are certain cards where you can draw multiple lands and put them out. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't matter if they're tapped or not. It just matters if the land goes into play. That's what landfall is. It doesn't have to be untapped. So this guy would play these cards where he would bring two or three cards tapped to the field Mm. so by the time he was done doing all this because there's another card i can't remember what it's called um where you it's a land that you sacrifice and then you pull a a uh, normal land out okay and you play it so he would basically he what what happened was he had this card out this monster out which it only takes like one man to pull this monster out first of all (sighs) so that's ridiculous even though it's so powerful to a certain degree. So then he played a land, but it was this like... What is it, a 1-1? It was a 1-1, yep. Yeah. And he would play a land, and this land would be sacrificing. So it would double itself after he played this one land. But then he'd sacrifice that land, and you'd pull another land out to replace it. So then it would double itself again. So now I got four of these bad boys out there oh, from man. one land. And then he would play uh, where you could shuffle through, and you bring two lands out. So now it's eight. Oh, now it's 16 of these bad boys. By the end of his turn, he had like 46 of these cards. Wow. And it's just like, I like, I understand <laughs> the coolness of being able to double. That's the only card I've come across so far that can do that, though. Like most of the other times when you can pull other stuff out because you played a card, there's a limit. Like, <clears throat> I would even be okay if it every time a land came down, only it replicated itself like you just like for every land 
the 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 original card pulled out another one of itself but every time it re- reproduces itself all of its reproductions do the same thing and that, that's what i think makes it so crazy overpowered it's like the locust or something and it is so mind-bendingly annoying to deal with yeah it's not just like a, a like a one one token that does nothing else it's like an right. actual duplicate of itself so oof. yeah that sounds really obnoxious i haven't run into that but i would hate oh, it man i it's literally like i said unless i have a card in my hand where i can destroy it the next like my next round like i don't even want to play anymore because as soon as you get that engine going <laughs> as soon as you get two or three of those puppies out it's done because there's no catching back up again just rage quit right out I don't even care. But you can't even you can't even quit fast. You literally just throw your computer across the <laughs> just to get out of the lobby. Get right? out of here. But yeah, green... you got it almost sideboard something that I don't know gives everything minus one minus one until end of turn. Right. If because there there is uh, a couple um, artifacts that uh, like you it automatically reduces the amount of damage you take by one. Mm-hmm. So anything that has oh, wow. one, it'll never hurt you. Nice. You're like automatically protected by it. And so are your monsters. So if you're attacking, I don't, I don't even know if I have that card on arena, but I've definitely come across it like against it. And yeah, it's unless you destroy it or, you know, have something that can add one, one to all your one ones. There's nothing you can do for those small ones. So yeah, if I had that, I could fight that thing because he could have 127 of them buggers and they would never hurt me. Literally bugs literally bugs but that's that's a good thing about it you know green's all about growth i mean how many cards out there their uh, attack power comes from how many lands you have you know when when you tap them to attack you their their power goes up by how many lands you have or there's one that i use that's uh, like a mosquito type thing where every time i lay a land it gives me one health so like that, that i feel like that's what a lot of uh green is about just like these overwhelming strength in numbers almost to a certain degree right yeah sort of overwhelming numbers on the cards or overwhelming you know heals if you mm-hmm. you're doing that i i know uh there's one where it's like it's like the brontosaurus or something like that where Mm. it's like however many lands you have that's what its power is and so it's like if you have five lands it's like seven or eight power so it's like the more lands you build up before you drop it just Mm. make it like i you know i've dropped it sometimes it's like 11 11 and it's like nothing's going to kill that unless you have yeah, if well, unless it's like a black deck or something that instantly mm-hmm. kills it, but for the most part, it's like and it has trample, right? Yeah, so it's you know, anything I try to attack it, they try to block it, bam, I'm killing seven things, right? And that that's that's a good thing. And the green deck is definitely about packs as well because there's a lot of pack monsters where if you have more than one out all the other ones get a boost. So I, I think that that's pretty cool with the with the green deck for sure. Yeah, green's but, a fun color. Mm-hmm. Because it also can be played many ways. It can, yeah. Which is fun. Yeah, just sort of talking about it and briefly what I've played against or played as with the green, it's, it's almost this like mix between white and blue, um, but then like a little bit of red as well, you know, because mm-hmm. like you're you you go one or two ways where it's you're either dropping these super powerful creatures based off of you know however many lands you have or based off of you know whatever 
other cards are laid out um, or yeah, you're healing or you're, you know, doing these crazy buildups of something, you know, there, you can play a green deck, any of those three or four ways that you would have from a white or a red or a blue, you can kind of mix and match mm-hmm. a lot of that, you know, those mechanics into one deck. That's all green. Right. But talking about mixing, uh, those are the five, you know, pure colors, the white, black, red, blue, and green. But obviously, if you're going to have all those colors, you're going to have combination decks, right? Now, just to get it out of the way, because as I stated before, I don't like blue. <laughs> blue kind of goes with everything what? to a certain degree. Blue, blue, black. Blue, black. Blue, blue, white. Blue, white, I've seen. But uh, it goes with everything because the fact the blue is so it's more about countering and control of the of the board so being able to pair it with a lot of colors is fairly easy and like antonio said it it's a little overpowered in that sense so that's why it can easily go with some of these other decks to just kind of add that little that little edge because a lot of what combining colors does is it the faults that we talked about with these decks gets covered up when you add a certain color now it takes away from the overall strength i think because you can have one deck that's you know crazy powerful whenever it's just a straight color but very susceptible to a certain other deck when it comes to being defeated and Mm -hmm. that's where combining colors kind of you know they're they're taking that to cover up their weaknesses almost so like the red example earlier you could use blue to draw more cards after you've already burned up your whole hand right exactly and uh, I think that that's kind of why blue goes with almost everything to a certain degree. Now, obviously, blue pairs better with certain decks than others, but it's a very, I think it's one of the most adaptable color combinations. Blue, blue can kind of support everything to a certain degree. Um, but the, the one after that is a, you know, green, green and red. Green and red is, can be very strong. But I, wh- what would you say when it when it comes to green and red in these color combinations? There's always a color that kind of has to lead the pack out of the two colors. What what would you think would need to lead that lead that pack, Antonio, between a green and a red, in your opinion? I mean, if I usually when I would make a green and red deck, it would be green creatures with red fire support and maybe a red flying creature like mm-hmm. late game. That that's kind of what I was thinking was. The green deck's biggest drawback, other than some monsters and some enchantments that add reach, not a lot of aerial support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, green doesn't really have flyers. It does have a lot of spiders and stuff like that that have reach. Right, with reach, yeah. Flyers, which is cool. Some rogues, some elves, rogue elves that have reach. So, yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest contri- the contribution red can have is basically spell support and flying support when it comes to green. Mm -hmm. So your muscles coming from green, but it's almost like you're protecting your flank with red in that sense. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that's why they make a good comment. And then obviously kind of what we discussed earlier, the, the red and black, just straight destruction. You know, you got death touch, you got, you know, lightning and shock and all these red spells. Plus, you can throw out a bunch of monsters, whether they be black or red, to kind of sacrifice to make other stuff stronger. Uh, so a very fast playing deck, but also a controlled deck. And I, and while I think <clears throat> kind of the same with the green and red, red is more of a support when it comes to red and black. 
in my opinion at least. I think the black is what controls the red. Yeah, because thinking about, you know, thinking about the uh, way that the decks are when they're single color is, yeah, red is red is this sort of just... Um, it, it, just like berserker mode kind of mm-hmm. you know color whereas black is about you know sacrificing to be powerful it's not necessarily like going at it in an in just like a slam yourself against the enemy kind of way it does it in a little more calculating way um to be like i know that if i sacrifice this i'm gonna get an advantage so you know, you're kind of having that early on kickstart from the red. I would, I would say, I have not built any of these, so I'm just kind of <laughs> talking. Fire from the hip. But knowing, but kind of knowing the way that those two decks play, um, you know, the red would kind of give you a good kickstart. You know, dropping a, a bunch of stuff to kind of protect yourself as these like sacrificial, um, you know, Rams soldiers slaughter. Um, and then you're coming in with those, with the, some of the black spells. Uh, the one thing that comes to mind is, I think it's called murder, mm-hmm. uh, is a more, at least one in some of the recent decks where you literally can kill anything with that. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. So it's, you know, you just have that in the hopper. If you get somebody that's a little bit strong, you just knock them right out of the field with a murder. And then, you know, you also have these flying creatures that are coming in from both red and black that are powerful, you know, and, and yeah, uh, the, the starter of the deck is the red and then the black kind of has these more calculating creatures that you can throw in to, um, complement uh mm. you know little misgivings that your other red creatures may not have or your red spells may not have yeah i can definitely see that especially and i <clears throat> i'm sure you know some of the monsters i'm i'm the, some of the demons i should say that i'm talking about antonio but uh like having to sacrifice three or four monsters to bring out that demon that you have in your hand is a lot easier when you have a couple goblin gathering cards that you play, you know, six mana and you have seven goblins on the field now. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit easier to, like you said, it's a little bit easier to pull those bigger cards out when you have this cannon fodder of a red deck that's throwing out a bunch of monsters very quickly. But if we're going to talk something that's very complimenting to something that probably shouldn't go together is a black and white deck and this is honestly one of my favorite decks it's a very vampiric deck uh, you know structured sacrifice um have you any experience with the the i you probably do but what kind of experience have you had antonio with a black and white deck i've tried that many times over the years um yeah and they go really well together there's a lot of cards to support that. Which I think it's kind of funny because it's like literally in the lore and everything, they're supposed to be, you know, direct opposites, but they actually work kind of well together. Yeah, you could gain back some of the life you lose too. When you're playing the crazier black cards that cost your own life, you could gain them back with some white stuff. Mm-hmm. So with that kind of deck, is it, again, I'm, this is like, I have no idea, but would the the black, I guess, be the more of like the attacking, and then the white is going to be the the more supporting portion of that deck? I you think it could go either way, really. Mm-hmm. I think that's the beauty of it. Is it literally, I think black and white is literally the um the kind of the balance. It's it depends on what you want to do at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. 
is you can either favor white a little bit more where you're attacking more with white and the black is more supporting and like sacrificing to kind of get stuff back to support white or the black is more I think whenever you mix the black and white together, whenever you're leaning more towards black, it's more towards, like I said, a vampiric deck where when you gain life, they lose life. Mm-hmm. Mm. So a lot of the spells you have that are like black and white, whenever you're leaning more towards black is like, if you gain so much health within this round, they automatically lose so much health in, in that kind of thing. Because I think there's like uh, the Archbishop of the Depths or something where every time you gain life, they get life taken away from them. So that can be pretty dangerous as well. Yeah, it makes for some big swings. Mm-hmm. Especially when it all adds up, you know? You got like two angels out there. It, both of them are doing lifelink. So mm-hmm. most angels are what, four fours? So you just hit them for eight. They're flying. They got lifelink. You just gained eight points. Well, now you also have this other card that just took another eight away. So even if they block, they're still getting hit with eight points of damage, you know? Right. So it's almost defense bypassing. Kind of just subverting all the creatures just to get straight to the to the, the opponent. Yeah. Opponent. Yeah. Uh, the last one we'll kind of talk because most of these are like the, the biggest combinations. Obviously, there's plenty of different combinations when you have five different decks. But uh, the last one of the big ones is obviously white and green. And obviously, again, green's going to be more the powerhouse in that combination. White's going to be about retaining health getting it back Uh, again aerial support when it comes to walls and stuff um but the green is definitely going to be the powerhouse as it always is most of the time yeah and it can help ramp up your mana too a lot of green cards do Mm, that yeah especially like the uh i use it all the time too land or elves have been around forever yeah and then um oh there's so many cards i don't know what they have right now in arena um is it something that lets you Rampant growth or uh... rampant growth is one of them. They have uh, they just came out with like Hydra growth, where every round the counters double themselves. Oh wow! So you start with a one one, next round's two two, then it's four four, and it just hmm. goes from there. Every every round you go around, and then you have uh, it's like Twig Brights or something where they themselves work as mana. And if you get a 4-4 monster on the field, instead of one mana, they're two. Hmm. So that helps a lot of times, especially when you're trying to get some of the bigger monsters out there. But yeah, it's, it's definitely... The, you know, the, the white-green deck is, is pretty fun. Uh, they even have... <laughs> I call it the kitty cat deck. Because one one of the... Because uh, <laughs> you can have... Kitty cat. Just, just a little kitty cat deck. <laughs> Obviously, whenever you have like a commander of your deck... And like a, a monster companion, basically. Uh, they have this one. I can't remember the name. I really need to get better with names. <laughs> like, it's bad if we're going to be talking about this stuff. <laughs> but uh, it's like every cat monster that you bring out automatically has boosts on it. Oh, like yeah. Think and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. So, <laughs> like, you just have a bunch of, like, stray cats and all this stuff that already have, like, if you have three or four of them out, they get a boost. So yeah, there's there. I think it's like stray cat or something like that. It's yeah. literally like when you have another stray cat, they are like plus one one. So yeah. you throw out like three or four stray cats, and then it's like a it's it's like a lioness or something like that, where she's I I, I can picture it in my head. She's yeah. like in armor and she's standing up on her hind legs and is like a humanoid kind of lion or something, and you know whenever there are other 
cats of any sort Mm -hmm. on the field she also gets a boost so it's like yeah you can build up all these boosts off of each other it's pretty crazy yeah i know what you're talking about but i don't know the names yeah i need to get better (laughs) with names but uh i think those are the big i want to say the the five big color combinations other than blue because blue kind of goes with everything you know we got the five main decks and the you know five big color combinations that are pretty popular uh you know later on we'll go in more depth because uh as you can tell that we could talk about this uh, tangently for a while so here's the real question me being such a noob mm-hmm. ethan and antonio mm. what do i start with and for the listeners who are like you know i really want to play some mtg arena what would you start with or what would you suggest someone start with to kind of learn the general mechanics of magic the gathering hmm. i'm still kind of green to arena so I, I don't really have a good answer. I'm still doing the color challenges in arena and, and getting used to. Aren't they so hard? Some of them, they're so frustrating. Yeah, I think I'm through three out of five of the colors. And um, yeah, a couple matches were really tough. Well, to go on this little tangent, I think the color challenges are hard because they force you to adopt different strategies per color. They want you to do a certain thing, right? Every single one, yeah. exactly. And I if think you don't get that's it, what's, you get what's right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like if you don't do the exact method of play that they were planning, you just lose because there's literally only one pathway to win on some of those. Yeah, but if you notice, you always get the same starting hand. Right. It's the same cards all the way through they like the well, same starting hand same the cards all the way through well i don't <laughs> understand the game ethan so i am trying to figure it out and all it's doing is like well maybe you should try this and i'm like i don't know what that means i don't know what double strike actually does like i understand it attacks twice but doesn't that kill my person i didn't realize that if i do double strike it the first one doesn't even matter i just kill whatever it is is. and then when i found that out i was like well this is a super easy challenge well that's double strike is a extension of first strike and when you have first strike you attack before they attack right and that too they had that in one of the decks and i was like okay great first strike so i get to attack before they attack i guess or like right, right. as soon as i drop it, figured it out but it doesn't say in the, it doesn't say <laughs> in there if you do first strike, you won't get, you won't take damage. It just says you get to do first strike. And I'm like, okay, cool. And they don't like explain that. So I'm just like sitting here trying to figure it out. And I'm like, whatever, this is the only thing that's going to work. You gotta, you gotta figure some stuff out. Sorry. I had to, I had to rant. You got to figure some stuff out for yourself. Mike. it's building character <laughs> and decks. But, it was uh, it was a uh, it they were challenges i will mm-hmm. say some of them some of them were easy peasy but other ones were like actual like you really have to think because they don't want you to do the most obvious thing they want you to think outside the box in regards to that deck and what should be coming up you know hopefully so, as you draw so they're trying to make you a better player and you're being difficult yeah i don't want i don't want them to show me how to be a better player <laughs> uh but uh, antonio i think he just meant in general um not necessarily for magic the gathering arena when it comes to getting into magic uh, uh, yeah just kind of like overall what would be a good color for someone who 
literally is like, okay, I just need however, right. you know, I just need enough cards to play with some of my friends and I want to learn the systems. I have no idea how some of this stuff works. So, you know, starting from ground zero, kind of I what color green. is a little bit easier. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I, I have to agree with Antonio. Green, definitely start with a, a solid color. Don't try any combinations at first uh, just to get your feet underneath you. Um, but yeah, green is definitely a solid starting color. I agree with Antonio on that. Yeah, because uh, you got your um, your mana fixing, which helps mm-hmm. you to not feel powerless to the randomness of drawing mana and your little creatures. And eventually you get a big creature out and that always feels good, especially, you know, and um and then you can splash in those little helper cards, little instants and stuff, and mm-hmm. learn how that works. And once you cut your teeth with all that, you can work with the other colors. I think green's probably, yeah, one of the easiest to start with. And it's fun, no matter how experienced you are. Green's a good Yeah, color. I think that that's what kind of puts it over the top, because white is also a very easy color to understand, because it's very structured with its, like, how you build it. Mm-hmm. But like Antonio said, green is fun, though. Like white is very structured, very strategic. I mean, that's that's the whole point. But because of the wildness of green, you can still have that structure. You can still learn all those things. But like he said, it's fun because it feels good to pull out that seven seven monster. You know, that's very true. Because mm-hmm. with like, because I kind of started with white just because that's what they gave you. That's what they give you in mm-hmm. arena. And it would like that helped me learn the systems fairly quickly. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's just so dull with the way that the pre-built deck was, mm-hmm. um, is that, you know, like it's not, it's not bad and it, and you can kind of have these moments where you feel kind of cool. Like when you have good synergies of, you know, um, when I heal, I also, you know, the monk also does more damage. So if you have right. get like a loop of that going, you know, it can, you can get pretty powerful, but, um, overall just, it was a, a little bit boring. Cause it's like a lot of one ones, a lot of two twos, mm-hmm. a couple things that are flying here or there, but nothing too powerful. Uh, you know, so whenever I got to green, I was, I could see what you're saying. I was like, Oh, this is, this is fun to mm-hmm. like, not, not difficult to play, not to understand, but it's like, it's fun to just drop these crazy things every once in a while. And, and just, you know, stomp through everyone. Definitely. To get to uh, the second half, and I feel the most important part of this conversation, the two, the true crux of what's needed. The only important conversation of any board game. Yes. Or the, uh, card game. And, and this is important for multiple reasons because you don't want to show up to somebody's place and not have the right thing. You know, you got your deck, you got your nice sleeves, you put your deck in, you build it up yourself. But what snack do you bring to this party? And I think the snack speaks volumes about you. <laughs> so, the salty or sweet snack is yeah. the big question. I mean, and the, I feel like we can we can pair these with the the mana colors. So okay. So why don't we, uh, based off of your opinion and how you think a a white deck should play, and I know this might lean a little bit more towards me and Antonio given the topic, but uh, what do you think would pair well with a white deck player? Are you guys putting me in the hot seat right now? 
I'm I gotta put, like I'm putting you both in the hot seat. Oh, okay, cool. Whew. Antonio, snack. you go first. I'll 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 sweep up. <laughs> a snack for the what for white magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't I guess um a- angel food cake. Ooh, I like that. That's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. See, mine uh would be LaCroix, okay. like flavored water. <laughs> and just plain old potato chips oh just just like just regular it's the job done just you know whatever like lays or like not not even the ruffles no not even the ruffle lays no just the straight up plain old potato chips with some drop of vanilla on your knuckles and you have to lick it off yes That's that's the white deck. I I can agree with both. See, I was gonna go with like a Pellegrina okay. and yeah, uh, some regular gummy bears. Okay, not, I can not, see that. Not but a see... pack of colored ones, just the clear ones. Oh wow! So it's just like it's just horse literally straight just... horse who. Yeah, or like Swedish fish, where they're all the same flavor. You're not like you're not like testing your taste buds you're just right. literally like "Ooh, <laughs> swedish fish i same, like those they're good same beeline all the way across Twi- twizzlers you know something yeah all right i can respect i can respect those i feel like we got a pretty solid uh handle on the a white deck so let's go with the uh the black deck let's uh let's see what you guys come up with for a black deck the pe- the perfect tag along snack for a black deck yeah i don't I'm not sure. Maybe something that's like peppered or blackened, like a like a peppered jerky. Okay, I can understand a jerky. For th- this is tough, man. I'm thinking like, uh, yeah, I'm thinking like a, a super spicy something, like a spicy like dip with like tortilla chips or something, like a black bean spicy black bean dip with like tortilla chips. Okay. Like I'm okay. visualizing like black tortilla chips, like black corn or blue oh, corn tortilla to say, chips. The blue corn, yeah. With like with like a super spicy black bean salsa or black like hummus, something that's got like spicy flavors to it as well. Okay. Like to so just like a hurt yourself kind of dip. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> somebody somebody decided that they wanted to like grind up some, you know. Ghost scorpion pepper. peppers yeah. or ghost peppers <laughs> and throw them into just like a normal black bean dip or something and and you're just like you know what i really want that and then like on the side you have like either a monster energy drink or like a, a russian imperial stout that you're just <laughs> like <laughs> like everything is black and dark and heavy and just heavy yeah and painful like <laughs> okay so i i can definitely respect that uh, I was thinking they have these uh, <clears throat> these like baked and salted um, grasshoppers and stuff now. Oh, okay. So I was like just a big bowl of grasshoppers. Yeah. Just uh, no one really that makes under- sense. understands why you're eating them. Or, or if you're kind of like where we used to work together oh, yeah. at Franctuary, you're getting, like you know, spider deep fried uh deep fried spider mm-hmm. you know or a scorpion hey, either a caramelized scorpion yeah as you're as you're laying down that uh the uh the sacrificial lambs 
You just you just pull the scorpion up by the stinger and you just bite off one of its mandibles. Pretty much. <laughs> so next in line is red. I feel like red is uh, kind of easy to a certain degree. Yeah, that's where I was seeing the spicy stuff or like hot chips or something. Mm-hmm. Like a buffalo dip. Mm-hmm. I, I could definitely see that that being the centerpiece, like a big buffalo dip that everybody shares. Oh, yeah, like chicken wings. Mm-hmm. Like just normal buffalo wings or yeah, like a buffalo dip. I was like somewhat imagining like those Doritos 3D like snacks. If we're going back to like early 2000s or whenever those came out, you know, I feel like that was anymore. And I know Antonio feels the same way. It's like, it's so hard to remember exactly what period in the past 20 years stuff actually came out like crystal pepsi you're like when did that come out you know it's just crazy or like the blue pepsi when you were younger oh yeah or like the uh the purple heinz ketchup i never had i i saw that but i never had it i was like something that's ketchup should not be colored purple that's gross that's true so for the blue i i feel like for the blue i'm coming back i'm coming back around to the gummy bear type thing but you guys know the gummy bears where they're like little blue sharks? Oh, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Shark bites. Yeah. Those, that's, I feel like that's definitely a, a blue deck. Yeah. You, you, you have like, find them. that sounds good. <laughs> well, see, that's the point of you gotta, you gotta plan. You gotta plan for your blue deck snacks, just like your blue deck. So you gotta like search for these things. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Oh, now I'm like fiending for shark bites. (laughs) For me with blue, like obviously just the color blue pops into my head. I want like a blue raspberry 7-Eleven Slurpee. Oh, yeah. Just like the biggest one. You like the 64 ounce one that you can refill for like 50 cents or whatever. Something that'll last through half right. the night. <laughs> the whole, but it's going to melt into just like that bluish, just color. actual like blue <laughs> juice, but like blue juice with like half of like the, the like shredded ice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for me also like, uh, gosh, I don't know. See, I'm like a, I'm like a, salty tooth kind of guy so i would be like cool rancher doritos Mm. or uh i I don't know i'm also thinking like for some reason just like raisinets you know it's like they're good they're supportive they (laughs) they make they they please you but they're not like stand out you know but they're also not super boring so it's like the the cool ranch is when you have a straight blue deck. The raisinets is whenever you're playing a uh, blue black a blue black deck. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. There we go. So I, decision oh. made. I have to play a blue black deck, man. <laughs> Spicy stuff with raisinets. Like, come on, that's the that's the life. Oh, cool. This, this isn't exactly a snack, but with the black and blue deck. What about a um, big burger with blue cheese and bacon? Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> really, you go, man. Cause really, you're hurting yourself. <laughs> yeah. e- eating that thing. As, as uh, older individuals, older. <laughs> that, that, that burger is going to hurt us more. The, the blackened burger with like the blackened seasoning on the outside. Yeah. The black and blue. It's already black called and, black yeah, and blue, black man. And blue. Let's go for a dog first and have there it you go. 
the the all of the bacon strips are like dipped in like jalapeno kind of like dry rub type stuff like a scorpion man bacon. i'm so hungry now hey, you're making yeah. me hungry. why didn't we do this first we should have <laughs> uh so last but obviously not least considering we uh, unanimously think it's probably the funniest deck to play is a green deck now i feel like a green deck could go either way when it comes to snacks you can either do the you know traditional spiritual have like a very healthy maybe like some nuts like a nut mix <laughs> you want some mixed nuts i got some cashews i got some cashews you know? i got some peanuts mm-hmm. they salted honey roasted delicious <laughs> See, and that's like, that's a typical game food, I would say. Mm -hmm. Pretzels, nut mixes, Mm -hmm. this stuff that's like dry. You're not going to get your your fingers all super greasy all over the, the cards. I like that. Yeah, I picture pistachios with it a lot. Mm. For this conversation, anyway. Just a gigantic bowl of pistachios. Pistachio. Every, I mean, every every time every time you make one of those new little beetle things that Ethan hates, you eat uh, another pistachio. So all of a sudden, you're just grabbing handfuls of sp- pistachios. I would severely hope you choked on it. <laughs> I hate that card so much. I uh, uh, you guys ever played Hearthstone? Yeah, I have not actually. Well, it it's simpler and it solves the mana thing because every turn it just gives you another mana. But mm. they just nerfed a card that was called Pen Flinger, which is the equivalent of what you're describing. Um, it was like it could do one damage to any target, and every time you played a spell, it went back to your hand. So people would just keep playing cheap spells every turn and do a million damage to you. They nerfed it so it can only do damage to creatures, but um. What you described sounds like equally annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. I I hope you all run into it and suffer. <laughs> oh, as, I know what you're talking I about. Suffered. I can't remember the name of it, but I haven't had it as bad as you seem to have. It's green. <laughs> it's the green. Yeah, it's green. It's from a green deck. It's a green. It's a green. I'm trying to think of my green snack though. See, that's that's tough, man. Well, I mean, you got me and Antonio going nuts over here, so. Yeah. You know what sounds right, but I don't actually snack them, is those, like, snap peas or whatever? Yeah, oh, those, yeah. like, crispy snap peas. I love those, man. I would Seems do that. Or, like, the ve- or like the veggie straws. Oh, yeah. If you've had, ever had those, like, veggie... You know, it's just so funny because those veggie straws are actually, like, really bad for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> and then they it's market so it like, as such a, like, a healthy thing, and they're so bad for you. <laughs> they're, like, 99.5%, like, potato and so grease. <laughs> and then, like, and then there's, like, oh, but there's tomato in this one, just to give it color. Yeah, right. But just it's the tomato it's literally one. the healthiest part is like the right. color that they use to make it that color. Like, yeah, it's crazy. But, but they uh, taste so good. Well, that's how you know they're not good for you. I, I exactly. But uh, so since we've uh, discussed the, the snacks that we think currently are good for these these colors, what do you guys think the best the, the original snack that was brought to the 93 games of Magic the Gathering. Now, I have a solid, I'll start off because I have a solid pick. They just started coming out with multicolored goldfish. So I feel like multicolored goldfish was definitely part. In 93? In the early 90s. Probably a good Can I say a drink? Yeah, that's fine. Surge. Oh, yeah, that's classic. 
that was held over from the D and D days, though. Surge and uh, Volt. Do you we, ever have? We like to smoke a lot of cigarettes when we played Magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking Chex Mix. Okay, like the original, original, the Chex original, Mix. original Chex Mix. Okay, okay. I feel like because I feel like that was right around there. I, I don't know. I didn't I could, look this up. I, <laughs> I could I'm, definitely see like the. The big four surge was definitely the drink. Oh yeah. Yeah. If that was around, surge was totally the drink. So you definitely had surge. You definitely had goldfish, Chex Mix, and I think the other staple would be the original Doritos. Mm-hmm. Like that was like the trifecta of I, plus a surge. I also think like snow caps. Okay. Yeah. Because like everybody like... like loved those from like I mean, I was like so young in early '90s that it's like I, I have very poor memory, but I feel like Antonio, everybody what, what loved was the those early in '90s. Like, <laughs> what was it like? It was tell me. Uh, Snow's Informer was blaring from every little boombox, and and all was good. It was good. Um, you know, we had a very good ice cream place close walking distance from our house. It's still there. It's technically custard, but that's another story but um (laughs) they had a little ice cream or i'm sorry snack section and um something that i remember picking up and we would snack on we played magic was um uh warheads oh yeah yeah man warheads yeah i could definitely see warheads being a thing that was like real thing you get like a case of them you didn't have to snack on them right away. You know, you could have a pocket full of them and like trade them, just like mm-hmm. cards or something. <laughs> just like I don't know. Hey man, cards. I want I want the blue. I want the blue warhead. That's the best one. No man, red. Red's the best. Yeah, I actually did think I liked the blue the best. I I did too. <laughs> I would always. I was always the kid too, where I was like, just give me seven of them. Just throw them all in my mouth at once. Oh lord, <laughs> that was intense. Yeah, I think right. I liked red. It was like watermelon. I think red yeah. was watermelon. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the blue was like the blue raspberry, which is a flavor that is everywhere and permeates every culture in America. But like, <laughs> it's not a real thing. <laughs> right like, in life, there's never been a blue raspberry. Just you know? yesterday, like, I I didn't read it. But there was literally just an article having the discussion you're having about the grape flavor. Yes. Right. Yeah. It doesn't taste like grape. Yeah. It was an actual like headline of an article. And I thought about it and I was like, yeah, I think they're right, but I'm not going to even read this. (laughs) But I know because I I drink that grape shit. Yeah. I know about it. I know about what you know about it. Tastes like. I, I mean, I've eaten plenty of grapes. I'm Italian. I've had plenty of wine. None of that's like that grape flavor. Yeah. But it's damn, that, that damn it up. if that purple drink isn't delicious. Oh, yeah. Purple drink. I mean, that, now now that crosses cultures. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. You know. That actually, is, uh, this tang. is pretty hilarious. We're some super white guys talking about some purple drink, but not everybody <laughs> likes purple drink. We'll just leave but it at that. Yeah. The, the grape, just that grape flavor. It was like, you know, it's not good for you. And you know it has no nutritional value. And it's not like it tastes like grapes. You know, it's not like I'm walking around being like, man, I just could really use some mashed up grape juice right now. Like you drank it because it was like 
that bright purple and it had its just its own thing you know its own taste profile it's very true that's mm-hmm. what that kid who takes the sunny d i i'd be like you take that i'm taking the purple stuff that that's you just right. the purple huggy what you say purple or the or the bug drink? juice the, the purple huggies oh those were yeah but uh so yeah i think we did, did some solid work uh we're definitely going to have to bring you back on, Antonio, and uh, talk a little bit more in depth on certain things. Because like you said, it's uh, Magic's been around for, what, almost 30 years now? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's at least 27. What, 93, so 28 this year. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, we could definitely get in depth, especially with the, the different uh, changing um, of cards and, heck, how many cards have they banned? It's about to have a midlife crisis, man. It, it really is going to just bring back every single one of the most annoying cards for like a year and everyone's going to hate it. <laughs> that would be really annoying. All the cards that it's ever banned. It just picks the, like for every single year, it picks the most annoying one that was banned that year and then just brings them all back for one season. And it bans like all the somewhat useful cards. It's, it's crazy though because they they still have bands to this day like even on arena like they literally mm-hmm. have cards that they'll have updates for you on a semi yeah. daily basis like hey you can't use these cards anymore you yeah use- like on their new seasons or yeah, whatever you can use they them have- free for all where rules don't matter but you can't use them in like standard play it's just like oh, okay yeah honestly they're not i mean that's a fault on their part they should be giving this more thought especially now i can understand 1993 yeah yeah like whenever they're first coming out and they're like man this would be a really cool card you know we should make it and then they put it out and they realize oh wait it's way too easy to mani- manipulate this card and just be like a one shot yeah we, we gotta ban it because you know we didn't think it through but 30 years i'm surprised they still have this problem for sure right you you can't figure out how things interact with each other after 30 years i mean i know there's a lot of cars these days but still you don't have a program by now that you can plug it in and figure out what the effects are going to be i mean to be honest they like if you're looking at it in a perspective of like a a video game too like i'm just thinking off the top of my head like league of legends where they bring in a new character like they spend all this time thinking, you know, maybe not so much about League of Legends, but, you know, certain games, I know they like they spend all this time thinking about, like, how is this going to interact with that? And how is this going to mm. work with that? But they never can, like, think of the combinations of, like, how you can have you know multiple teammates that then just because of the way that some of those specific abilities line up all of a sudden you're like super overpowered or it's like in theory on paper and with math you're like oh this makes sense the you know giving them this much damage or giving them this kind of ability uh for this much you know i guess like if you're thinking in magic you know you give them you know six six or seven seven power and you know it's a six mana card or whatever like they have those calculations but then in practice it's kind of like oh that's definitely not yeah (laughs) you know that's definitely not what it should be because this is way more powerful for way less mana or like vice versa you know it's like it's the right amount of mana, but it's the way that you can build other things around it, make the whole deck just overpowered that it can like ruin the game. 
Yeah, I just I'm just saying I think it's a little they have a little less leeway when it comes to that. Uh, is video games just because there's I feel like there's a little bit more at play in video games than in, in a card game, but maybe I'm just over simplifying it. But uh, before we get off at any other tangents, <laughs> why don't we uh, we'll put a plug or a pin I should say in Magic the Gathering for now. We'll definitely have more in-depth discussions moving forward. Antonio, thank you very much for being with us today. You're welcome. My pleasure. Uh, yeah, it's been super great. Thanks for being here. I thank know. you. Antonio doesn't really have anything to plug just because he's a you know a good friend and uh, whatnot. Uh, he's not really doing anything other than his great home repair service. If you're in western Pennsylvania, call Antonio for any <laughs> repair work. <laughs> But, uh, Mike, why don't you throw out uh, what we have going on? Yeah, awesome. Um, Yeah, again, thanks, Antonio, for being here and and joining us by the fire. Uh, You know, everyone out there listening, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast app that you like to listen to uh, some Magic the Gathering tips and tricks on. Uh, leave a review and find us on Instagram at Fireside Interviews and Reviews. Uh, and we are also on Twitter, uh, currently under fi- at Fire Interviews, but that may be changing soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, be sure to join us on the Discord as well. Yeah, um, definitely make sure to join us on our Discord. Uh, I think we might be uh, abbreviating. We're obviously going through some changes, as uh, I've said over the Discord by now a couple times. Just kind of getting better at this kind of thing. So uh, the names might be abbreviated a little bit easier to find and comprehend. So no worries there. And uh, hope we see you guys uh, at the next fire. We'll make sure to keep it hot for you. <laughs>